Hello and welcome to the Brutal Iron Gym Podcast, where our goal is to cut through the BS and deliver the brutal truth about topics related to health and happiness. Today's podcast number 1,532. The topic is Q&A and the title is, Do Squats Grow Your Hamstrings? That was a question that was the title of the email that a listener sent me, so that was really cool, so I just figured I'd steal it. <laughs> but they're essentially asking if you can squat to build hamstrings. The reason why they asked this question was they saw in a recent TikTok video that they sent me the link to, so thank you for that. Uh, The person in the video talks about um, muscle activation tests, and they did all these sensory tests and all this stuff. But uh, basically they talked about how the, the hamstrings aren't significantly stressed during squats, meaning that they're, they're not, uh, squatting is not a great stimulus for the hamstrings. And their point was, uh, if you want to build bigger hamstrings, you should not look to squats to do so. Um, they gave some other stuff, but we'll, that's, we'll just say that that's the summary of it, because it makes it a lot easier. Uh, so the listener then basically asked is is this true if it is true or isn't true what should i do <laughs> based on uh, the answer so one one thing that can help us is to understand uh, the anatomy of the hamstrings the hamstrings actually connect across the knee joint and the hip joint so the hamstrings do two things when you contract your hamstring it it curls your leg so it brings your like uh, basically bends your knee. We'll just say it that way. So if think of a lying hamstring curl or a seated hamstring curl, that's when your hamstring contracts, that's what happens. Also, if you think of a uh, stiff-legged deadlift or Romanian deadlift, your hamstrings contract at the hip, so they help to kind of like uh, do hip extension to bring you from a bent-over position to more of an upright position. Since the hamstrings cross over both joints, what this means is that if the hamstrings were to contract, you can't stand up. So if, if you were doing a squat and your hamstrings were to cramp, you would stop in the, in the squat and you would not be able to let move at all. So if your hamstring cramped, it would be fully flexed and there's no way you can move. Uh, the hamstrings have to actually extend in order for you to perform a squat. Now, this would mean, okay, well, apparently that means then that my hamstrings aren't doing anything while I squat. That's somewhat true. They don't, they don't do much. They don't have much of a contraction uh, component to them when we look at a squat due to the anatomy of them. Now, there's a lot that I'm going to get into here in a second, but that, that general premise is true. Now, there is a, a quadricep muscle, the rectus femoris, that crosses over the knee joint and the hip joint as well and our hamstrings do act in a way to counter the force of the rectus femoris so where there's actually like kind of um, tension within the hamstring to counter the tension and workload of the uh, rectus femoris the part of the quad that crosses both joints so it, it would be considered kind of like a leveraging force as they're they're leveraging off of each other to create a they create stability in the movement So, the hamstrings do play a significant role in stability. Um, That is important to know because if we have weak hamstrings or we don't, if I was to say, okay, I want to get a big squat, well, if my hamstrings don't even get used in the squat, I won't even train them. 
No, it's a bad idea. <laughs> so since your hamstrings do work with stability in the squat, if your hamstrings are weak, they will be a limiting factor when you're talking about like a one rep max or, or maximal uh, efficiency in squatting. Even if you're trying for like a max effort set of 10 or maybe you're doing a CrossFit event or a strongman event and it's a lot of repetitions, if the hamstrings are weak, that is going to have a limiting factor on your performance even if the hamstrings aren't a dominant player, a dominant um, muscle mover <laughs> in uh, the squats. Now, part of that is also because of the anatomy of our adductors and our glutes. Our glutes cross over just the hip, uh, the adductors as well. So since they don't cross over the knee joint, the adductors, adductors and glutes are more active in contracting to create hip extension. So as your quadriceps are, are doing like knee extension, the adductors and glutes are going to be doing a lot of the uh, like hip extension in a squat. So... Since we have the anatomy of the adductors and the glutes, they tend to take the, the blunt of uh, uh, the force stimulus in squats. Now, what this then leads to in is, okay, does that mean that pretty much any squat movement where I'm trying to extend my knee and my hip at the same time, does that mean that they're not very good at building my hamstrings? If we think of like step-ups, uh, lunges, Bulgarian split squats... Uh, other movements in which there's the both knee extension and hip extension? The answer is kind of yes and kind of no. It, it really depends on your positioning within those movements. And what this means is if my hips, uh, well, let's just say when I'm doing a squat, if the, the bar should be kind of centered over my center of gravity, the weight of the bar and my center of gravity if I'm doing a squat, should be cut it should be vertically in line that's why often when people squat you'll hear me and other people say that the bar path should be straight up and down your center of gravity should kind of stay underneath the bar and the bar center of gravity should be just going straight down straight up straight down straight up in order for that to happen you'll see that your hips go behind the the vertical line of gravity of the bar while your knees go in front of the vertical line of gravity of the bar. So if you were to draw a line from the bar to the floor, as you squat, your hips go back of that line and your knees go forward of that line. And that's how we kind of maintain our center of gravity to be underneath the center of gravity of the bar. Well, if you're in a position in which the hips go further back from the center of line of gravity, then your knees go forward, then you're going to get more hamstring involvement. So if the hips travel further from that direct line of force, then you're going to increase the hamstring involvement. How does this, how, how in the world can we put this into kind of simpler terms? Is if you're doing a movement and your torso is upright the whole time, you're probably not going to get a lot of um, hamstring force, hamstring involvement. So if I'm doing step-ups, lunges, Bulgarian split squats, things like that, and my torso is upright, I'm likely getting less hamstrings than if my torso is tilted. So if we think of a stiff leg deadlift or an RDL, your, your torso tilts as you go down and it uprights as you come up. But if I thought, think of like um, a front squat, I'm not getting much torso angle change at all in a front squat. So that's one way to look at it. 
if, if I have an upright torso, it's probably less hamstrings. If I have a tilted torso throughout the movement, you know, it tilts, it uprights, it tilts, it uprights, and that changes. The angle of your torso changes. Then it's probably more hamstrings. Another way we can look at it is your shin angle. The more vertical of a shin you have through a, a movement that involves both the hamstrings, I mean the hip and the knee joint. So if you think of an RDL, a Romanian deadlift, you can you search for that real quick if you don't know what I'm talking about. So that way the rest of this makes somewhat sense. <laughs> uh, so pause this, look for RDL, and watch that video, Romanian deadlift. If you do a Romanian deadlift correct, your shin angle stays straight, straight and down, straight, straight vertical. Then as you do the movement, your hips get further and further and further and further away from the line of, like, line of gravity, the line of force of whatever weight you're using, whether it's a barbell, dumbbells, or anything. When your shins are vertical, it involves more hamstrings because the hamstrings then can, can work to try to bring the hips in, and they also work to try to control the eccentric lowering portion of that movement. Now, if your shin is angled forward, there's arguably less uh, hamstrings involved because eventually that knee has to extend to get the shin vertical, and the knee can only extend if the hamstrings aren't contracting. Now, all of this is wildly <laughs> um, different per person, per body type, per stance, per all this purse. <laughs> so if I have a, a super wide stance versus a super narrow stance, if I have, you know, low bar versus high bar versus front squat versus overhead squat, you know, wherever the, the bar positioning can make a big difference as well. If I'm doing, you know, vertical shin box squats, I'm going to get a lot more hamstrings than I would do, uh, say, a paused, you know, upright high bar squat, especially with something with like short femurs. So there's a lot of individual differences and in all of these movements, the hamstrings aren't like off or on. They're just different degrees of on. Meaning that all of these are going to have some stimulus to the hamstrings. And depending on your positioning, whether your shin's vertical, whether your torso's angled over, you know, all these differences in the positions can either equate to more hamstrings or less hamstrings. But it's not like, okay, if I do squats, I'm getting no hamstring growth whatsoever. There's still some involvement. If I'm doing step-ups, lunges, Bulgarian split squats, all the other variations of things, I'm still getting some hamstring involvement for sure. Now, if you want to maximally recruit your hamstrings, isolations are great. You know, if you have access to a, a lying leg curl, a kneeling leg curl, a um, seated leg curl, a standing leg curl, there's 4,000 variations, I'm sure, of machines of hamstring curls. Uh, and then you can also do vertical shinned movements like RDL, stiff leg deadlifts, and you can do those with dumbbells, barbells, machines, you know, trap bar, bunch of anything else. So the idea is that if you, if you want to get maximal hamstring growth, my suggestion is to isolate your hamstrings before the workout, like at the start of the workout. So I would do my normal movement preparation, blah, 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 blah. But before you get into squats, before you get into RDLs, before you get into walking lunges, step-ups, anything else, is to do isolations of the hamstrings. Do some lying hamstring curls, do some seated hamstring curls, do some whatever hamstring curl machine that you have access to. If you don't have access to it, you can use bands at a home gym. Maybe you can set up on a cable machine if you have a functional cable column that has a low pulley. You can do standing hamstring curls off that, or you can sit on a bench and do uh, seated hamstring curls off that or if a band. But do some type of hamstring isolation work. 
what that does is it pre-fatigues the hamstring so that way when you go into other movements that might have a blend of hamstring, the hamstrings are already so beat up that you're going to just continue to push the damage and push the damage and push the damage, which is good for growth, uh, by having them pre-exhausted. So that's the technique. is It's called pre-exhaust. And if you pre-exhaust the hamstrings, you will increase their overall damage produced in other movements, even if the other movements only have percentages of hamstring involvement. So we have podcast 1160, which is a training podcast titled Using Pre-Exhaust to Change Exercise Focus. Listen to that, and that'll give you a lot more context about how to position your hamstring isolation work within the context of your full workout to maximize hamstring development. You can find all of our podcasts on our website at www.brutalironjim.com. Okay, so if we if we look at the TikTok influencer, were they right? Are the are the hamstrings not greatly recruited in squats? Yes, they're right. True. They then said that you should add other movements to ensure that you're getting better hamstring growth. In general, yes. One little caveat, remember, <laughs> one little thing is just be careful of how much volume you're doing. You know, if you're doing a lot of squats, that does involve lower back stability and bracing. And then all of a sudden, if you try to do a bunch of RDLs and stiff leg deadlifts and a bunch of other things, you might end up overworking your lower back and having a lot of stiffness and, and tightness in there. And then also you run the risk of like burning out your CNS and just feeling beat up and worn out and tired. So you don't want to do full on all the squats in the world and then add a bunch of other stuff. You might want to pull back a little bit on the squats to make room <laughs> uh, for some of the other stuff. So the majority of my clients, uh, and it's not universally true because everybody's program is unique to them, but the majority of my clients will have, uh, if they have two leg days a week, one of them is going to be like kind of more quad dominant movements and the other one's going to be more hamstring dominant movements. If they only have one leg workout a week, uh, then it's, it's actually pretty rare. But if they only have one leg day work workout a week, we do kind of a blend. So some programs, it might be, you know, pre-exhausting the hamstrings and then other programs it might just be a blend. Another program, we have, you know, some workouts that start with quads, end with hamstrings, or start with hamstrings and end with quads. Kind of mix it up a little bit. But I usually do whatever that person needs. So if that person is really weak in hamstrings, we do a lot of uh, front-loading of the hamstring work compared to the quadriceps. If they're pretty blended, then it's, the program is blended. But that's typically what I do is have workouts where I'm knowingly focusing on quad-based movements and then another workout where I'll knowingly focus on more hip hinge uh, type vertical shin type torso change type uh, movements okay so do squats uh, grow your hamstrings N not the best there are better choices if you're brand new to squatting uh, then hell yes they're going to have enough benefit for sure but once you become uh, kind of trained at squats they become kind of less helpful for building hamstrings, so it's helpful to get in a bunch of other movements into your training to make sure that you're getting more hamstring-specific involvement uh, overall in your training. Awesome. Well, I thought that was a super fun question. Hopefully, it was helpful to kind of hear that. If you have any follow-up questions, just shoot me an email, brutalironjim at gmail.com. I do appreciate all the listeners that send in questions and also the people who, uh, now that Christmas is coming up, we had a couple of people send in donations and stuff, which was super awesome. Like, like, super sweet, and thank you very much. I really appreciate that. 
so thank you to everybody. And remember the questions that like you get podcasts are free. So anything you want to know, it's totally free and I'll answer it. So just send me an email at brutalironjim at gmail.com. Cool. Well, if you like today's podcast, the podcast in general, please share the podcast. The more people we share it with, the more people we can help. That's the whole point of what we're doing. <laughs> thank you to those who donate to support the podcast. It is well over $1,000 a year for hosting costs. I give an hour to it every day, and we're keeping it for free. So thank you to the donations that help cover uh, some of that cost. I really appreciate it. You can do donate at our website, and there's options for a one-time donation, monthly donation, yearly donation. Uh, anything you give, even just $5 a month, it does add up, and it absolutely does help. So thank you. If you like the information we share in our podcast, you can find more from us. I post every day on Instagram, and I post a lot more recently now on our YouTube channel. So check us out on those, and if you do, follow us. So that way it helps build up our numbers. And then, as always, if you have any questions, feedback, suggestions, anything you want to know, let us know at our email, brutalirongym at gmail.com. As always, I hope this was helpful, and thank you for listening.